A Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Are you ready? Online. Do you ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesdays at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes. On demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. All right. Well, we're very excited to be talking to one of the most iconic and legendary heavy metal bands coming out of uh, Quebec, Canada. Brand new record coming out. It's actually out now. Available wherever you get your music. Sing Synchro Anarchy. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Synchro Anarchy. Available <laughs> now wherever you get your music. Uh, very stoked to be talking to the one, the only, Denny Snake Belanger from Voivod. Bonjour. Hello. How you doing, man? Uh, how's it going? How are you? Good. Very Pleasure good. Very good. You. Before we talk about this music, I want to talk about your beer that you put out uh, not too long ago. It's a friend of mine uh, loves yeah. it. Uh, talk about that. How do you make Voivod beer? How does that happen? Well, we deal with, uh, with, with a friend of ours uh, that... Uh, um, as a like a as brewery, a, a microbrew, yeah, right, microbrewery, yeah. Mm. And um, it's been it actually it's the second beer we release. Uh, the first one was Clus um, Capo Cum, which was a taste of a uh, kind of apple cum. What Clus Capo Cum? It was one. Of, it was one title from. Uh, it's, it's moose cum. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It was like very Capocum. Canadian moose cum. There you go. Yeah, yeah. they get it up in Shakutami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good beer, but you know, it was kind of like tasty with a with a pine kind of thing. Nice. Uh, really, really, uh, really special. This one is more like creamy caramel. <laughs> uh, the Lost Machine. Yeah. That's I think it's the better one. It's, it's so one. funny how metal bands they put out like you know signature beers and stuff. And I'm waiting for somebody like uh, like how do you get the taste of metal in beer? You know, oh, well, <laughs> you should ask for Chewy. Chewy is the specialist in beer. You know, yeah. he's always uh, but hey, uh, metal and beer they go hand in hand. So it's yeah, yeah, you know? I'll have to have a, a Mitch and Jeremy show beer. That'll, yeah, that'll be good. Yeah, but it happened when uh, you know we travel the world, so we have a chance to taste all kind of beer from everywhere. So. You know, we, where was uh, your favorite beer to try? Um, actually, I, I I love all kind of beers. You know, like even even the commercial beer. Sometimes you just want a beer, not like a fancy stuff too much. You know, it's just yeah. like about fifty. Sometimes it's good. You know, depending. Hey, it does the trick, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So um, no, it depends on the moment, and it's you know if it's hot or uh, you know cold or whatever. But um. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, everything has, has its own taste, you know. So, are they available like at the Depanair? Like, I could just show. Like, are they like a specialty kind of place you have to go and get it? Um, well, usually, you know, I, I'm not like I'm more like a wine fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because uh, you know, beer for me is just like once in a while. Uh, yeah. Well, it, there you go. You should do a Voivod Vain. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Voivod Vang. At one point, we'll, we'll do it. The triple, <laughs> the, the triple V. Uh, let me ask yeah. you this about making new music. You know, a lot of bands that we deal with, and we deal with uh, pop artists and, and rock artists, they're chasing the singles. They're chasing the charts. They want to be in the top 10. Voivod, obviously, is not a chart band. So how do you sort of decide how you're going to put this music together? And, and what are you chasing? Well... Voivod has always been known to be kind of like uh, uh, unique and innovative. You know, we 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 try to uh, 
to do our own stuff. You know, we sound a little bit different with the, you know, the three-tone piggy score. And I think, you know, it's been our signature since the beginning. And we keep going in honor to Piggy as well, because uh, he died uh, in 2005. And, mm-hmm. um, and when we got back together with Chewy, that was, uh, that was our goal, you know, to keep going. Because at one point, we didn't know if we wanted to keep going without him. And, um, and uh, we said, well, the best way to, you know, promote his music and his talent and to make him last, you know, uh, in the history is just to keep going and keep uh, the memory alive. Keep the memory alive. Keep his music alive, and that, that that's what we did. And um, Chewy, and uh, you know, there's this new lineup with Rocky as well. Uh, you know, they've been fans since they were 13 years old. It was Voivod fan, and they, 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 you know, for them, I guess it's a. For them, I guess it's kind of a dream, you know, like uh, being part of this band. Right. And um, they, I guess they, you know, they focus on what the fans would like to hear, you know, and they, they have it. They, they, they cre- in their creation, they do stuff that it's, uh, that it's on their own, but it's also representing or pushing the spirit of Piggy uh, forward. And, uh, and that's fantastic. And then, but we never really reach for, you know, sort of like celebrity. We do music to, uh, to challenge ourselves a little bit and, um, and to create new, new boundaries in music, new, to explore new pattern, new. Right. It's, it's, it's a hard thing maybe, but uh, um, that's, that's what we've been doing and that's what the fans looking at. And, you know, they're looking for something. And they never heard, and then and we we kind of deliver that to our fans. Our, our fans are really loyal. When they get hooked, you know, that's forever. It's just well, metal like, fans are loyal. I mean, metal yeah. fans have always been very loyal. Let me just quickly ask you because you're talking about new and stuff. But when I'm listening to paranormal paranormalium, yeah, <laughs> can't you call <laughs> your songs one. Bob? Yeah. <laughs> but, but there there are parts in there where I hear some uh, Metallica influence. There's a little like a Seek and Destroy or something. There's a, there's, a, there's a part going on in there. You, of course, had Jason in the band for, for many years. Talk to me about that and what did he bring? Because, he, you know, he playing he's playing with Ozzy, he's playing with Metallica, and then he comes to the local Quebec band. Mm-hmm. And the fans here love him because they love Metallica and they love Ozzy. Yeah. Now, what did that do to you in terms of making you more popular, but also musically? Because he's come in with these big ideas. He, he's played on these big songs. He's got to say something to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Jason was a big part, uh, especially when we um, we were with, with him in 2003. Um, and uh, he, uh, he brought to the band, well, basically, he just got back us together at one point, you know. And um, what happened is just like a, he brought his own ideas, but I mean, we, we gave him the total freedom for creation. And that, I think that part was missing uh, for him, you know, and he even he's been playing with big bands and all. Um, I think, he, I think, you know, he wanted to have a, um, to be free and to deliver what he has in mind. And we just kind of like follow him. And, uh, you know, this session was, uh, was pretty cool. 
we're at his studio uh, in San Francisco, and we spent months, you know, in creation, and it was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we were jumping on the Aussie t- uh, tour, uh, and then the Hosfest, and then he jumped, <laughs> um, uh, switching with Robert Trulio <laughs> kind of thing. And um, yeah, it, it was it was a a fantastic period of time. It's just like, uh, it was a dream come true for us. And I seriously, every night, you know, playing with Ozzy and all these artists, the Hossfesses, you know, they were corn that was there, you know, Marilyn Manson. And all the we big were, names. Yeah. And we were, we were in the middle of this and we, were, we couldn't, we couldn't believe ourselves. We couldn't believe we were there. It's just like, uh, I had to pinch myself and pinch piggies. And it's just like, is this real? Right. Um, yeah, we, we had a, such a good time. When you're and, working with, um, when you're working with Jason in the studio, I mean, he's performed on the black album, worked with Bob rock on multiple occasions. Does he take any of that experience back into the studio with you and say, Hey, you know, and I worked with Bobby, kind of recommend we try this or Tommy, maybe this way of style of writing, or did he bring any of those tools he learned from those guys? Um, I don't personally recall it, but I mean, he was, sometimes it was uh, uh, in close meeting with Piggy, you know, trying to figure out chords and different stuff. And, um, mm. um, but he's, he's the one that is really excited. You know, he's, he's, he's he sounds like he had like 20 coffees in the morning and it's like, okay. He was pumped. Yeah, pumped up. And, you know, Michelle, do this and Michelle, do that. And yeah. <laughs> Snake, you know. He was almost was acting like, like a producer in a way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but we had, you know, people around, mm-hmm. uh, his own guys, uh, people around. But uh, he, um, he was, uh, he was fantastic. I think he, uh, he managed to, uh, to get this record done. Uh, yeah. Uh, fairly quickly and, 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 you know. Yeah. And I'm sure bringing somebody like that into the group, I mean, it does kind of re-energize you, right? Oh, yeah, totally. It's, uh, um, and he's a cool guy, you know. He's a friendly person. He's a, he's a. Um, a good hang. Yeah. He is. And then, and then I could feel the excitement he had, you know, being in, in, in Voivod. Because I think, you know, he realized many things. All this dream in music, you know, being part of Metallica, being part of Ozzy, and being part of Boyward, I think he 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 had all these three dreams in his life, and uh, and they all came to fruition, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I was gonna go say, ahead. and I'm sure it was exciting for him too, because for him to go from being in Metallica, I'm sure it wasn't really much of a collaborative effort with those guys, with Kirk and James and Lars, and then he come into Boyward. I'm sure he had all kinds of ideas, and he was finally free to yeah, explore some yeah. of those. Yeah, totally. I think uh, you know we. That's why we we never kind of like uh, we we let the thing open. You know, it's like what do you want to have? What do you? And sometimes you know you get to a point where oh, we don't have much of an idea or something. And it's just you know, and I singing a melody, and then oh, that's good. And then from the melody, we're building on stuff. You know, and uh, yeah, it was really and, collaborative. Yeah, 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 totally. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, when he decides to leave, and I'll get off of Jason after this, what was that discussion like? Was it just because, you know, he's down in the States and he's far away and, and, and to work got a little bit difficult? Or had it just run its course? Or was the band thinking, you know, we're just going to break up. Our, our, our friend passed away. It's, it's too much. What was the discussion when he said, 
Merci, bonsoir. Uh, I think at that moment, uh, I think, you know, we were basically mourning Piggy and it was really tough, you know. Uh, we couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And right. seriously, with, for me, you know, that was a, almost like a calling it a day, you know, because uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure anybody that could replace Piggy. Right. And uh, I think Jason had the same impression that nothing's going to be like it was. And uh, he started painting. It started his, uh, his own creation on painting. And he's actually really good on painting. And, uh, and uh, I think he focused on something else for a while, uh, which is good. You know, he did something else. And um, while then... Um, we uh, sort of like waiting. We took a few day, a few years off, mm -hmm. and then um, then we found Chewie, and then we rebuilt the band around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, but at, at that point, he was he was somewhere else. I think and, uh, I, I think you know he really enjoyed uh, spending time with his wife and painting and uh, and doing like a. Exposure, uh, exposure, exposition, expositions, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exhibitions, um, exhibitions, right? And um, so, I guess in that part of his life was he was somewhere else, and um, but on our side, we we're super excited, excited to um, to rebuild the band around Chewie, and uh, so we, we we went on, you know. And, let me quickly talk about uh, about Denis for a second because he is there at the beginning. He is one of the original members. He passes away. Now other bands have had members pass away and they continue. When you continue and you started playing for that first time, you do that first show, is it do you feel wow, this is a celebration of everything or do you sort of feel guilty like Ayipolo, he's not there? Where were you emotionally? Were you were you sort of feeling guilty that you were continuing and he wasn't there or were you feeling like not we're celebrating him we're celebrating the band well there's both feeling were there i mean uh, we were we were a little bit uh, anxious that people um because we had this uh, we had a chance to play the heavy montreal yeah um and that was our first show without him and we were like really excited but anxious of the reaction of the people you know voivod without piggy is it possible and, Mm -hmm. And um, and I remember this one emotional thing is that I um, I had Piggy's guitar on stage, and uh, at one point at the end of the show, uh, I took the guitar and raised it all up, and everybody went crazy in the crowd. I was there. Then, I saw that. That was great. And then and then you know, for me, it was mission accomplished. I think you know we had his benediction from <laughs> from the sky and. Uh, and Chewie did a fantastic job on guitar. And uh, and from that point on, because we didn't know if we, it was just one show. That's yeah. it. And then and then after that, we realized that we could continue and, and, and honor Piggy every night. Uh, that's that's one that's one good thing. Let me quickly ask you about about Chewie. When you get Chewie in the band, are you looking for a guy that plays like Denis or are you looking for a guy who's completely different to bring a new sound? Or you're just looking for a guy? Uh, we were looking for, you know, someone that could play it. 
Uh, right. And, 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 and just that. <laughs> it's, but, but not a copy. You're not looking for a guy to copy him. Barnes says these. No, no, no. No, because Julie, uh, he brings his own thing, you know, in the com- composition. But he nailed every note on what's on the record, you know. It could be old record, Dimension Intra, Skilling Technology, the first album, whatever. He has been playing these songs all his teenage. And, and, and you know, right. and every part, every part, every feedback, every chord every little tweak and and the guitar he had it it all just felt right and seriously the first time we auditioned the guy i had goosebumps i I closed my eyes and it's like piggy was just there and i I, it was fantastic and i i seriously i said you got the job man it's it's, maybe he was almost channeling piggy in a way like in the yeah 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 and for him he's uh and especially of, for him being a fan, I'm sure that, you know, yeah, I'm sure yeah. he wanted to do the music justice. Yeah, totally. And uh, and for him, it's, a, it's one of his one of his idol, you know, and so he, right. he, he does it in respect. But when it's time to do new composition, uh, you bring his own thing, too, you know. Yeah, which is always so, good, you know, a sense of originality, yeah. but there's something familiar as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, the brand new record for Voivod called Synchro Anarchy, available now wherever you get your music. Uh, the new single, of course, Paranormalium. Uh, you came up with that line while you were writing the lyrics. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, how do you come <laughs> up with a word like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the entire session was crazy because we, yeah. we, we managed to do this album in only four months. And, you know, that's... Wow. That's amazing. That's the, the, we challenge ourselves. And, um, and at very end, because <laughs> we had to deliver by uh, September, uh, October, beginning of October, yeah. to get it released now. And um, we were such in a rush. And, uh, but, you know, Paranormalium is a, is a reference of all the... Um, uh, it's almost like a someone in a sphere surrounded by a kaleidoscope of opinion, you know, and wow, bouncing and, and everything. And, um, but kaleidoscope uh, of opinion—that's a great album title. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is the world today, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. Everybody has an opinion, you know, about yeah. everything, and that's uh, and it gets confusing sometimes. You just uh, you kind of. Especially with that pandemic, you kind of lose uh, focus and try to do so on a straight line. But yeah. you're surrounded with bumping opinion from <laughs> from everywhere. And, yeah, uh, you end up at the end of the day, you don't know what to think anymore. And, uh, um, but the whole album was such a such a, a challenge, such a because it's very unique and the way we did it, we. We did it. We learned a lot from the live streaming that we did earlier uh, last year, and um, we Francis Perron, the the producer, you know, managed to make these live streams sound really good. Mm. And uh, just the four of us, you know, bass, drum, guitar, vocal, boom, that's it. That's what you got. And and we we sound we discovered that we sound really good just like that you know not so much of artificial layer big of wall of the, sound yeah and i think i think we got into that approach uh, for this record and so less is more 
less is more sometimes. And but we didn't put a lot of the layers, like too much, too many layers of vocal, too many layers of guitars. Like we, like the way the, the previous album was yeah. filled with all kinds of stuff Sounds and interludes. Yeah, but um, we wanted to do like a something like a punk rock kind of thing, straightforward. Well, you can't and, get any uh, less is more than punk rock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, it gives it gives good result, you know. But uh, uh, the sound is the sound is uh, pure and uh, not too much. Um, too much large, you know, in a sense, but it's it, it sounds big, it sounds big, and uh, and but but the 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 whole thing is in the music, you know, it's just right. uh, the complexity of it is in the music, and uh, the approach is different, of course. Uh, we never do the, the same album twice, <laughs> so right. Well, you're you're described as a Canadian progressive sci-fi metal in innovators, right? And I thought this was a great way to describe it. And I always crack up whenever I see fans commenting on like interviews online. And I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this, but how come you guys have never done a sci-fi movie? <laughs> That's good. Well, that uh, I would like to do like a the, the soundtrack of a movie. You know? yeah. Right, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The score, you know, with like voice. So if, if if there's people out there that does sci-fi movie, can please reach call. us. Yeah, please. So you'd call. be interested in doing <laughs> something like that. Yeah. And uh, before we wrap up, I have two final questions. Um, you know, what being a fan of Van Halen and Kiss and stuff, when there's a lineup change, fans online always go, "Sammy's better than Dave. Dave's better than this. Ace and Tom." When you change and, and you bring in uh, Chewy, is there a an acceptance or are fans fighting going, ah, oh, c'est pas pareil, it's not the same thing? What, what a, how are you sensing the reaction from the fans on the new lineup? I've never seen bad reaction. You know, right. I think I think our fans understood what happened. Of course. And 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 they're of course Piggy is not Chewy, Chewy is not Piggy. That's that's bottom line. It's two different persons. That's understood by the fans. Yeah, and but they have so much uh, respect for Piggy and, and Chewy as well. Well, that, and yourself uh, and the whole band. And uh, exactly, yeah. uh, I never seen bad comments. I never seen stuff like that. Uh, and people love Chewy for who he is and the job he's doing, and because he does a fantastic job. And I think you know, with all the respect. People agree with what we're doing, and yeah, you know. and it's good to see you going. Day, it's like if the band approves, well, then why shouldn't the fans? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, just don't put and, him in Ace's makeup, and I think you'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be that, that would be funny, actually. And uh, I'll ask you the uh, one last question, which is more like the pop radio question. But it's always been said that you one of your influences was Genesis. So I want to know. Are you Peter Gabriel Genesis or Phil Collins Genesis? <laughs> uh, a little bit of both, I would say. <laughs> a little oh, invisible Touch is a great record. Yeah, yeah. But um, actually, you know, it was more the basic influence from Piggy that we brought to the band when we started up. He he was a real a prog fan and uh, listened to, uh, you know, uh, Gentle Giant, you know, Genesis and God, all the jam bands, all the yeah, wankers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was more, but I was more on the Sex Pistol side. Back yeah. then. You were the punk <laughs> guy who was the aggressive side. You know what? Now let me ask you that. Come on, you, Supper's Ready is a great tune. Well, hold on. <laughs> He's the punk guy. 
He's the progressive guy. How did you guys come together and create the sound? I mean, is that the secret to it? Opposites. I, I guess. I guess it was. Uh, well, he was a little bit, a little bit older than us, ah. uh, Biggie. So he had different kind of influence. I mean, yeah. he he was able to play Emerson Lake and Palmer backwards. You know that that kind of geek. You know, he he was uh, he was creating his own sound, dismounting his pedal board. Um, searching for something new, you know, in the sound, and he he was a real innovator in, in all sort of ways, you know, in the music, in equipment, always trying something different, and um, and we were just joining this guy, and then uh, hmm. you know we we were good at our instruments, but you know we're still learning, and yeah. he was like far ahead in his in his uh process and uh we learned so much from him you know like uh and we i remember when we when we started up he was like playing stuff backwards with his turntable and yeah and uh he was a real innovator i think and, and you know with our own influence that's what created Boy Bob, you know, a trashy, back then it was like trashy punk, prog, <laughs> yeah. you know, mixed together. And uh, that that's what created Boy Bob at the beginning. Let me ask you, uh, Ramones or Misfits? Um, for me, Ramones. There you go. <laughs> Teenage Head. <laughs> Danzig's upset somewhere with that answer. Let's yeah. <laughs> Greek Bob. But though Mother is a great freaking song, I'll give you that. Oh, we are one thirty-eight. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, but Teenage Ed is really good. Yeah, yes, fantastic. There well, listen, uh, brand new record from Voivod, Synchro Anarchy. It's available now wherever you get your music. Uh, is there CDs? Is there vinyl of this? Or are you guys sticking to the streaming? Can I get a CD or is it? Uh... Yeah, you can. You can get it whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> hey, all, all the formats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. yeah, a different colored vinyl. It's just really cool for the fans. It's awesome. Black. Yeah, it's death metal. So, like, is, is it like dark gray and like black? <laughs> blood splatter, <laughs> blood splatter. <laughs> or are you doing like a fluorescent? You know, a rose fluo. You know, pink fluorescent. Yeah. <laughs> That'd actually be be funny from a death metal band or yeah. a, whatever a, to get the, you know, yeah, super neon fluorescent pink. green. Super flamboyant over the top. <laughs> Candy apple green. <laughs> Yellow. Oh, man. Hello. There you go. Yeah. Thank you, sir. That's All right. It's great to see you. We'll chat soon and uh, best of luck with the record. Okay. Thank you very much, guys. Now back to the Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Woo! All right. Let's get right into it. Uh, of course, brand new record came out just around Christmas time. Live record coming out too. And of course, they're featured on the Peacemaker original soundtrack, HBO Max, which is basically coming to a finale. Uh, the big okay. song, Come On, Come On, uh, available on the Peacemaker soundtrack. Go check that out. Uh, welcome to the show for the first time, Nashville Pussy. What's happening? <laughs> Glad to be here. We're virgins on this show. Yeah, yeah. you are. We were no, just I joking. have interviewed you in the past, so yeah. we're, we're semi-virgins. We were just joking we're... off the air about saying your name is Rider Size, and I said, "Oh yeah, Rider Size." So, do, do you guys have the brown M and M's on your Rider thing, or? <laughs> no, man. <laughs> <laughs> a fish wrapped in a page from the Bible. You know, ah. like, <laughs> of course we do. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. It's the classic thing. You gotta have the no brown M and M's in your Rider. You know. Yeah, I'm sure. 
corner, and I don't get it. I, I pitch a bitch a lot of times. It's true. And far yeah. corners, of, yes, they have to find peanut butter for me in Scandinavia. <laughs> go, God damn it, little peanut butter, man. Have they even heard of that in Scandinavia? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's non-existent in some parts of the world. It's not, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's harder to find, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I, really hard too. That's all. That's the only thing I want too. They ask me what you want in the rider. Like I just want some peanut butter. Oh, choose more. It's like, well, get that first, okay? <laughs> See, that's news to me. I thought peanut butter was like a universally accepted, like accessible thing. No Reese's cups in uh, in Europe. <laughs> no Reese's. Yeah, you see. Yeah, well, it's just like I, you can't get Kinder over here. So, oh, yeah. you can you can now. They got them in Georgia. You got them in uh, in America. They have, every kid has Kinder stuff now. They have them in Walmart. And it's just uh, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Blasphemy. <laughs> Let me just quickly get to the uh, the eaten alive because the one thing that Nashville Pussy has consistently been known for or done is the live show. So first of all, is this a live live album or is it recorded on Pro Tools in your garage? No, 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 man. No, it's the opposite of recording Pro Tools in our garage. We had we had to uh, we it was recorded on on uh, our sound man recorded while doing sound. And what we did was depict certain performances, and we couldn't do it's anything about it. Could not add anything to it. I think, uh, I believe me, if we could have made Kiss Alive out and doctored it, I would have done that. We can't do it. We couldn't do a thing. We no, had to take we it wouldn't have done that. It sounds fucking great, man. It's it like, sounds great. It's exactly no, it sounds great. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like people tend to get uh, performers tend to get like fussy over about about it, and that's why you. Uh, while we have our studio albums sound like they do, because we've fussed over them. Well, this live record, it it is how it happened. Yeah, it is how it happened. That's how it got laid down in England. Warts and all, warts and, and all, man. And uh, and people like it. I'm just saying, it's more for it's, a, it's for for the fans because people have always said like, you need to have an album that sounds like you do live. And I finally figured out why. Well, I have no idea what that sounds like. I'm on stage, <laughs> right? So I asked. Sound man, I asked our sound man. Uh, I said, make this sound like a freight, like a, like like we do live, but more like a, fucking freight like a freight train, yeah. you know, because the, the drums tend to be a little louder uh, and the bass a little louder live than it does on is on your record. So it's it's pounding. Man. We wanted it. We we told him to master it just like right below where the needle jumps off the off it's, your record player. It's, so. it's just pushing it, the red. Uh, yeah. If you have your if you already have your uh, your settings on your stereo. Or Carster or whatever uh, to too much, a little too much bass. This thing's gonna go. Vroom, vroom. It's yeah. gonna knock the crap out of that. But yeah, you can, yeah, it's great there. Everything's there. It sounds amazing. So was it like was it recorded multi-track and Pro Tools and then mixed in post, or was it literally like left and right out of the board to tape? And uh, that's the record. Our sound man had a laptop. Yeah, and then he so uh, he got the recordings and then he went and mixed it back at his apartment. But I think right. just he had room mics too. So his room mics. He had some room mics, and he had he had he knew what he's doing. He's yeah. smart. His he's, he's, name's Dave Bennett, and uh, and he's uh, he's he's excellent. We're stealing hire him, him forever. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm. Uh, you know, please don't steal him from us because uh, he's technically no almost he's him kind him. of yeah. But when he's available, you should hire a man. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you want something that's something to sound totally rocking, he's got great so, British. See, he's got great taste. If you want to keep him, you got to tell everybody how horrible he is, so that like Genesis <laughs> don't pick him. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, our sound man's terrible. Nobody, you don't want to work with him. He's horrible. My mama told me not to lie, man. I'm from Kentucky. I can't do that. He's great. Great. 
Hey, talk about uh, talk about gear just really quickly. I mean, how are you? Uh, what's going on with you with the guitar rigs these days? And how are you recreating the studio tone and getting a little bit more raw edge live? Oh man, we we use the same pretty much the same setup in the studio as we do live, which is Marshalls plus Gibson. Marshall plus, and, and Distortion know. plus MXR just Distortion plus. But right. old uh, school Marshalls yeah. and yeah, like old school like a JCM eight hundred or like. A, uh, well, mostly stuff from the seventies. Uh, I mean, you know, and I'm not a uh, geek on the amps. I know what I, what sounds good. Yeah. And uh, our main one we record with is nineteen seventy two red plexi something or other. Yeah, they're but, essentially plexis. Yeah. And, and uh, Marshall put re uh, reissued our vintage amps. Is a it's a fifty nine SLP, Ooh. and uh, we've got two of those for the road because they're a little more. I don't know. They don't break break as often, <laughs> but we have we have. For years, you know, we were buying Marshall amps. We didn't have enough money to buy a case. A case was like four or five hundred bucks. Yeah, usually and like I, the road case is more expensive than the amp. Yeah, <laughs> they were. We they kept, were. Instead of buying, instead of buying a case, we would just buy another amp. It's like so, yeah. and, and then we got we'd be forced with faced with the same question again. So we just kept accumulating Marshall heads, and so we have a whole stash of exquisite vintage gear in Europe. And we have a whole stash of exquisite vintage gear here. We've got a hound. Uh, she got a hand wound uh, one from Marshall that they made just for her. Wow. And don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Went to Marshall. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. All the stuff we like is uh, used to be cheap and now it's really expensive now. So, cause we have good taste in it. So yeah. And then in the studio, we always add in this old classic champ, which is a, a Fender Champ, which is from when? Fifty-five or something like that. I think. I think wow. it's uh, like one of the ones that like they use, like uh, like Derek and the Dominoes or something like would use. But it's they, like it's know. only it's like yeah, it's like thing. a little small box, right? Yeah, that's valuable. Yeah. And we got a um, uh, I got a I've got a Fender Basement uh that's from nineteen sixty three that I think I have one. Brian Setzer has one. One you can get it online and uh, and I I, I recently got an amp built to replicate that to take on the road. And this guy from Kentucky, his name is David Allen, built, hand-built me a, uh, a, what was called a uh, hot blonde. Yeah, hot blonde. Hot blonde. So I got a hot blonde I use too. But, uh, you know. Everybody likes couple- to use a hot blonde every now and then. Yes. <laughs> a couple of more. Usually had old Marshalls and Gibsons were, were fine, you know. So – it's interesting that you say that. I mean, like when everybody's just basically going to the fractal and Kempers and they just put it in one rack space these days. You we guys don't are like, no, we're using fucking amps and we're not going away. <laughs> I don't know what words you just said. Your Is that Klingon? <laughs> right. I, I agree. A lot of these interviews are not in English. That, that's that's what I've noticed. Um, just quickly on, on the album, it was delayed multiple times. It was supposed to come out like in the fall and then it was like November and then. Yeah. And then it was like the day before Christmas. I was like, what yeah. the f- <laughs> day before Christmas? What happened? The, uh, uh, there was this pandemic and yeah. stuff. Man. Yeah, I don't know what they all had up there. Man. You have that yeah. pandemic in Kentucky? I thought that was only up here in Canada. Um, I was, uh, yeah. It was, it was, Kentucky pandemic, disease. It was a pand- pandemic at the present plant. That's why I'm in Atlanta. Why we're in Atlanta right now. It's Kentucky disease. It got out of Actually, the, the vinyl is out like tomorrow. Right. It's like the, oh, cool. the CD came out officially yeah for christmas right get eat, eaten alive for christmas and now eaten alive again for valentine's day which is kind of hey perfect. now hey I now yeah <laughs> i kind of like that you know yeah. uh talk to me about the, the the song on peacemaker how does one get because we've talked to a lot of the other artists and they said well we actually didn't know all of a That's- sudden we're on tv what happened with you what's your story 
That's pretty much it. We were, we've been in a like contract negotiations for about a year and a half. And uh, all it is, is like, this might happen. And it's like, we're cool. And then it's like, it's, this might happen. And like, that'd be awesome. It was like, this basically went on for like a year (laughs) and you don't hear any, you don't hear whether or not, I mean, you assume you make the final cut. We actually had an editor, a friend of ours who's an editor who said, Hey, I heard your song in this cut. And that was six months before it came out. And like, and still like, you just can't count on it basically. And so in the end, we got out, we got texted by actor Earl Brown, who's a friend of ours, who's in Deadwood. And uh, he's like, hey, congratulations. And we're like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, you're in the new Peacemaker. Like, what? <laughs> and it was in the truck. And, uh, but yeah, the whole thing turns out to be a surprise by the time you, like have an incredibly pleasant, we've, amazing surprise. It's the third time we've had something in HBO. And it's like, uh, I think we found out. That, when it happened. Yeah. It was like, yeah. we're going to be in, and you know, you're going to be we're Sopranos, in, Sopranos, Sopranos and Entourage and this. You know. Wow. So yeah. what does that do for the band in terms of visibility and ticket sales? HBO, pays. HBO, HBO actually pays money, so yeah. that's good. Yes, that's so. really good. It usually gets us out of debt. Uh, I think uh, we were on one time, our Sopranos money got us, uh, uh, we had broke down on the Zach Wild tour in the middle of nowhere, and our band had been totally told how the whole transmission was out. So, you know. It's good for stuff like that. <laughs> it's the rainy day pill. It's the rainy day plan. It is, man. It's, it's Mailbox it's, it's money. Good news, yeah. Well, let me pick something- up on that for a second. What keeps you going? Because you're you're not doing the Ritz Carltons on the private jet. Why, at some point, don't you just say, oh, you know, what? I'm just gonna go work at Ralph's and just fuck it? Ralph's. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about, <laughs> Ralph? Do what? Spit whiskey on people? <laughs> <laughs> But in their face, I'm not going to get a job at Ralph. We play, we yeah. are like the, it goes, it's been to what country you're in. Like uh, we, we spend most of our time in Europe. So right. if, uh, if we were dependent on the United States, we might be working at we'll Ralph's. Yeah. Yeah. I would be working at Ralph's, but we'd be the boss of Ralph's man. That'd be- <laughs> It'd be odd to roll up in like London and see you working at a Tesco or something like <laughs> I'll make That's sure that it. doesn't happen. It's never, ever gonna I'll happen. make sure it doesn't happen. We'll never I, see us do that. I haven't had a job in 26 years and I don't, I don't, know, she, I don't think I've ever she's, had she's, she's never punched the clock. She was always uh, listen. Punching the clock isn't very rock and roll. Rocking the punching the clock, going up on stage and tearing the house down. Yeah, yeah. I used to punch the clock at Sizzler, and when I, I had plenty of jobs where I punched the clock. I hate that clock. <laughs> what was the worst job you had? Yeah. Me? Yeah. Oh god. Longest interview? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just gonna go with the busting tables at Sizzler. Or uh, God, man, I used to I used to work at Billy's Barbecue. He'd pull pork like uh, that's when you like it'd be freezing and you'd have to scrape all the fat off with your fingernails, throw it in a bucket, and you throw the pork in the grinder, and it'd be hot like 110 degrees during summer, and you'd have to wring, wring out the grease in the bucket. Yeah. God, that that must have stunk like ass, man. And, <laughs> I pig that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like we had pork bites. It was from pork bites, yes. But I'm sure the freaking food was really good at the end of the day. It didn't sell. You're like, ah, here's some pulled pork. Um, I mean, I'm a snob, and I was. this was in uh, another part of the Kentucky, and I grew up in the Kentucky barbecue part, so I was like, I'm not eating this. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was swill compared to the good stuff. It was. It, was, it really was. They had, they had a microwave. They had microwaves there. I was like, what's these microwaves yeah. there for, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not authentic anyway. barbecue. I'm yeah. not yet to get microwave. No, it's ridiculous. So I was, I was but you know, I wasn't. Yeah, there's a, nothing worse than going to a restaurant. Yeah, I'll take the pulled pork sandwich. It's fresh, right? Oh, yeah, it's fresh. Microwave. <laughs> We're supposed to keep yeah. it. Well, you 
cook a big bunch of it, you keep it all simmering in the juices all together and stuff. So, yeah. so I switch the fat and all that. Anyway. Let me get over to uh, my Sharona. Uh, you, you worked with Eddie Spaghetti and Frank Meyer. Frank, who's a fantastic guy with the street walking cheetahs. Uh, talk to me about putting out the my Sharona video recently. And what was it like to, to, to recut one of the all-time classics? Well, I don't know if you know, but my part in it is uh, I'm acting. Right. You're in the video. <laughs> yes, I'm in the video. They, uh, they, they've got this. Uh, they've got this great duo album. Eddie's getting Frank Meyer on Kitten Robot Records, and um, they had the original guitar player from the Knack, Burton, come in and do this. Uh, do this spectacular solo, and and he didn't want to be involved in the video, so they like. They blew skies and said, who can we get for the video? And they're like, Ryder, what are you doing? And <laughs> of course, I agreed to do it for a taco, you know, and the rest is history. <laughs> so you, you didn't play at all on it? You're just you're just the oh, video he, person? No, both, but both Frank and I, it's neither Frank or I playing the solo. The in, Knack original guitar yeah, player. Yeah, it's the original yeah. guitar player from the Knack. Yeah. So my job was hmm. to recreate. Which is more work than... Yeah, it's actually yeah, harder than was, learning yeah. the bit. Like, yeah, because you're kind of miming it on stage, but you need to look, you need to know where it is on the fretboard. Like, nailed it. I totally nailed it. Yeah, that's, why it looks <laughs> that's why it looks real. But yeah, Wait, it's about, I was just going to say, you had the guitar player from the Knack come in and cut the solo, or is it like from the original session? No, no, no. He came in and cut the solo it's, for it. A lot of it's the same, and he's got a few little, you know, I heard the Knack, I grew up the Knack. I'm old, so it's like... A, that that was my high school and high school records, and the, the solo was a little different. But man, he, he nailed it. He can still play it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's it's, it's a really good. He doesn't want to be in a video. Yeah, you know, it's uh, I mean, for a pop song, it has a minute and a half guitar solo or something. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. Wow. Uh, what what I find amazing is that the press release says that 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 Ryder is on it, and it's just like now we know she's not. Oh yeah. no, doesn't it doesn't say that at all. <laughs> well, that, that was my understanding from what I read. But anyway, all right, there you go. Um, I think that I play the guitar player. Yeah, nice. Well, right. That's very well, guitar player love. one, right? Guitar player what, one. Yeah. What's funny is that this is very similar to another project I did many years ago when I was in a band called Dick Delicious and the Tasty Testicles, where I came in. <laughs> and help be the bells and whistles on a record that they were doing. I played guitar, actually I played guitar for on five songs. And I thought, well, this is fun. I've got, you know, a few weeks off. I'll dick around with my buddies. I'll, you know, I'll shine up their shit. And then I will never have to think about it again. And then once I got involved, they're like, do you want to be in the band? Now we got Ryder. Let's tour. Let's put out a whole record. You want to be on the entire album? Let's tour a whole bunch. And now they want to do a bunch of shit. And I, the only reason why I said yes in the first place was because it was guaranteed they were never going to do anything, right? And this <laughs> is happening with Frank and Eddie. It's like they had me come out, whatever, pretend to be a guitar player. And uh, and the thing is doing so well. My Sharon is doing so well that Kit and Robot are like, do you guys want to do a whole band? <laughs> and I was like, well, the whole idea was that this was just going to be a little fun. little yeah, just sort of like thing. a one-off, like, let's have some fun. Yeah, totally. Yeah, fake pretending, pretend to be a guitar player. I can do that. Yeah, I love but the now, fact that, uh, now I'm actually going to write songs. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that you go from Dick Delicious to Nashville Pussy. I mean, like, the names, the band names are just, they're perfect. <laughs> yes, they are perfect band names. Yes, I agree. Thank you. Although now that our 
our, our name has been uh, has been put back out in the in the spotlight thanks to Peacemaker. We've had a we had one guy complain and say, "Have you thought about changing your cute little name?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm going to change it to the Pussy." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, let me ask you that. I mean, like, have you with all this like crazy woke PC culture and everything? Like, have you been like approached? Like, listen, you're canceled. You got to change your name. Like, have you, has there been pressure? Our, We're grandfathered in, yeah, kind of like was, South Park. You know, it's like uh, you know, we've been grandfathered. Yeah, We're grandmothered in. Grandmothered in. Yeah, yes. man. Yeah, no one's gonna listen to us about any of this stuff. But, but in know? the beginning, the record companies must have come to you and say, "Listen, I can't no. sell you to radio with this name." Uh, really? You know, I, you know, we started out. We got a lot of attention real fast, positive, and then we got a big record contract, and then we got nominated for a Grammy, and we were interviewed on like ETV on the red carpet. So I figured this is about as mainstream as it gets. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's like, but there's there's people who don't like us. They will use our name like if they don't want to play us or something like that. They'll use the name as an excuse. It's like, oh yeah, I'm not like, oh, we can't play them. Well, they yeah. can, you know what? They actually can because there's uh, there was a radio. There's a guy named Tom uh, in uh, St. Louis that played us during drive time in the morning. And after and, and I just talked to him like the last couple of years. And I was like, man, I thought you couldn't you say the word pussy on the radio. He goes, yeah, you can. I go, they've always told us that you can't. He goes, they're lying to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So radio lied to us or, and the record company lied to us a long time. Yeah, it just it's excuse for them to be lazy, yeah. basically. Like, oh, I can't push this. I'm yeah. gonna push, you know. Yeah, somebody might say something. Yeah, I might get in trouble. Well, yeah. that's that's so bizarre. Because I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, well, yeah, who made the decision to say, oh, well, you can't say pussy on the radio? I mean, like, what? what? Well, I it was I think it was for a long time. It was that uh, you could say pussy, you could call someone a pussy if they were being a uh, sissy or something. But I don't think you can do that anymore. I'm mean, not thinking actually say the word pussy about pussy. So <laughs> I don't think wow. you can call. I don't know, man. It all changed. Interesting. So I stop calling by names. That's it. You know, they say yeah. call everyone a pussy. Everyone's a pussy. That's it. Yeah, yeah. We're all pussies. Well, look up here in liberal Canada, it would be Nashville wussy. Right. Oh, well, they, yeah. so, you're, you're talking about my brother in there. Yeah. <laughs> Keep forgetting, I'm 25 percent of the, I'm the Canadian content of the Nashville pussy. Yeah, yeah. can. Yeah. The hashtag CanCon. Getting well, the well I, actually, let me ask you about that because at one point in your life, you moved up to Saskatoon. Why? Yeah, well, I was born in Vancouver. <laughs> in Saskatoon. You were born over. in Vancouver. I moved over. <laughs> yeah, I moved, moved from the oppressive city to Vancouver to the glorious <laughs> open sky. Of, well, not it. even Saskatoon. I was living in. I was living in Stalwart, Saskatchewan, which if you go to get your mail there, there's 23 people. And it's oh like, and not all there at the same time. But, but, never, but no. what attracted you to that part? I mean, we're in Montreal, and, and when you think Saskatoon, you think, well, you really just don't think about it. No, nobody <laughs> thinks about Saskatoon, yeah. eh? Because no. now it was out there, you drive right past it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one giant... What, what brought me out there is the same thing as what brings anybody anywhere, which is chasing some dude, right? And uh, wow. we, high school boyfriend in Vancouver and his family was farmers. And we went out to Van we went out to Saskatoon to, I think we were just there for, it's just going to be like a year or less. And then we were going to move to Montreal and I was going to go to Concordia art school and he was going to go oh, wow. move out for, um, for uh, agriculture. And, We'd sent our transcripts off, and this is the old days when mail existed, and our trans and there was a strike. 
and our our transcripts never made it to Quebec. And so we had about <laughs> 10 seconds to decide what university we wanted to go to. And we were like, well, we can go to University of Saskatchewan and like, you know, wow. we'll do that here and then we'll move to Montreal. And then by the time we got into university, it was fucking great. And, you know, we had everything we needed right there. It was wonderful. It was like they have a really good art school, surprisingly. And wow. I was graduating Bachelor of Fine Arts and I drove a tractor every summer. And that's great. You see, now, my mom, who's 82, has been at McGill since 1962. And you know what she would say to a Concordia student? Oh, you couldn't get into McGill? I'm so sorry. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. And then I met Blaine because Nine Pound Hammer was on tour across Canada. And we my, played Saskatoon. Yeah, and they played Amigos uh, in Saskatoon. First, our first tour ever, 1988 and 89. And the second time it came around, she was single. <laughs> and I wasn't, but you know, and uh, the we road played we played Amigos where you set up on the floor. Amigos, uh, it's a uh, the Saskatchewan version of a Mexican restaurant, which uh, I've, everybody you know, we don't know any better. It was interesting. <laughs> hey, we was free, we had to we got to play, play for free food and a few hundred bucks in the, the room upstairs. And so, and then we and then and then we fell in love. That yeah. one was funny is that he was wearing a motorhead shirt. And I was wearing a motorhead shirt from my old boyfriend that we had moved up there together. And at that point, you know, those were signifiers. It was like, you know, he's, we were probably had the only two motorhead shirts in like, I don't know, half of Canada at yeah. that point. Like that was like, holy shit, you know who fucking motorhead is? Like, oh my God, I'm hanging out with you. And that was it. Like we wound up, we got married within a few months. I chased him. I chased Nine Pound Hammer all around Europe with a backpack for a while like just doing the groupie kind of thing and like as an excuse to see europe and then go see nine pound hammer like once yeah. a week wow. and then we dared, dared each other to get married and he came yeah. back to saskatoon and we got married and we got married at midnight after watching a monster truck show <laughs> nice <laughs> Fuck that's yeah, that's awesome <laughs> when did you decide to turn it into nashville pussy though when did you say hey leave that other band i play guitar let's let's do our own thing and imploded. Yeah, we we uh, not not we were it was a few like three years we played around together around the house and we were just going to do it as, as a side thing, and uh, Nine Pound Hammer kind of uh, ran its course. Uh, that and we're back. <laughs> 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 the first yeah, the first time we ran its course, everyone was like, I think everyone was like uh, twenty nine or thirty years old. And we're like, we're over the hill. We can't be in a band. <laughs> so, they had, so they we had, had this that. amazing like. Uh, I think it was a six week tour of the United States and the van broke down about every five days. And I was living in Nashville and I think I was cleaning houses at the time. And I was Western union and him like a doll, like $130 to get like the fuel pump fixed. Yeah. And he would get on a Greyhound <laughs> back to the van, get the fuel pump, pump fixed and then like drive to the next gig, catch up with the guys. And then they drive another like, three days and then the van would break down again and it was just like it was just an absolute travesty in the end it, i think everything imploded in yuma arizona yeah and yeah. Uh, he had to stay out there with the van and we were we we're uh deciding whether or not we should just take it over the mexican border and light it on fire and say like i don't know what when he came back to we were living in nashville at the time we started nashville pussy with the last night on hammer drummer because he's still he still wanted to play with blaine like crazy and so he was our first drummer was adam neal who's now in a band called the hookers and savage master he plays like metal like, with a hood Man. <laughs> that's the greatest that's the greatest there you go that's awesome Jeez. and then and nine pound hammer is still not only active but 
but uh, playing some really high profile gigs. They have their album when the shit goes down just came out yep. in like October, November. Yeah, it came out in uh, October, I think. And they have a whole bunch of high-profile shows in in uh, Europe this summer. Yeah, I'm playing Europe, I'm playing before, before and after National Pussy. I go over there with Nine Pound Hammer, so I'm, I'm over there for three months. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. It's making up how the it's amazing how the scene over in Europe is just so different from America. Like, well, they like rock over there. Yeah. 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 It's night night and day. Also, too, like uh, back when in, in the nineties. And late '80s and stuff, when the corporate rock in America, you got stuff shoved down your throat. They had a little distance over there, so they kind of like it was a little more organic. Like what sounded cool, they kind of traded, traded albums with each other, make cassettes and stuff. And they had like, uh, and you didn't get bombarded with you know whatever was popular, Bon Jovi. You know, I mean they were they were still popular over there, but you didn't get bombarded as much with uh, commercialism, basically. Uh, they didn't have. They had a European MTV, but it, uh, people people didn't sit around and watch it all day. <laughs> you know, yeah. so they let you just, like what you liked and help let you discover it on your own, kind of thing. I know, and we uh, and you could go play clubs over there, uh, and it's kind of exotic being uh, not that hammers from Kentucky. So here's this cowpunk band from Kentucky, and uh, when you're in like you know Norway, you go, oh my god, that's exotic. You know, you're like, oh my god, that's. But when you're still in you're Kentucky, ex- you were yeah. exotic when you came to Saskatchewan. I was exotic when you came to Canada. Yeah, so I never cool. the only southern accent I'd ever heard was Yosemite Sam, and I thought that's you know what yeah, you sounded like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't really have much of a southern accent now, <laughs> but <sighs> yeah, you could sound like Foghorn Leg. And I say, I say, I say, Nashville, la pussy. I say, nine pound. Hammer. Yeah, at least nine pound hammer <laughs> sounds a lot that's like that. Scott yeah, it sounds like that. <laughs> hey, all. Well, look, uh, Nashville Pussy going to be hitting the road and all over Europe, kicking off on May 6th in uh, Montenay, France. All the, I mean, look, you're hitting Paris, you're hitting Sheffield, London, um, oh. Montbelliard, you're hitting Stuttgart, you're hitting Oslo, you're hitting Berlin, you're hitting all the big, all the big cities. Also performing at Sweden Rock and uh, the brand new record is available now. Um, Eaten Alive, vinyl's coming out. Vinyl yeah. is up. Final is out. If you've ordered it, you've got it already. You've got it in your mailbox. Oh, there you go. Um, we we're already the first pressing is already sold out. Second pressing wow. is is up and running. And we've also I, I, should, I have to plug. We have another album which is a. Uh, it's called Miss Georgia Peach. I don't know if you've heard of this, but this is the forty five from many years ago. Wow! Look at that. And it's got it features members of Nine Pan Hammer. And me and yeah, Miss Georgia, and it's vinyl is coming out on uh, the CD is coming out on Rumbar Records. It's called Aloha from Kentucky, and this is something that that Blaine and I was a project we did with some friends with Miss Georgia and her husband Travis, probably over a decade ago, right? Oh yeah, like thirteen years ago. Yeah, yeah, and during you know all this downtime, people are finding what they've got in the archives. And they had it all remixed. They had uh, Daniel Ray, who is one of our favorite producers and works on all of our stuff in Ramones. And he's done uh, plenty of work for us. And now he's he got involved with Miss Georgia Peach. And so this is coming out right now. And uh, as uh, there's a, it's 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 more like country country rock. Uh, it's, nice. it's, it's countryish. It's got country. Uh, yeah, like well, you're hold on. Are we talking like Buck Owens or uh, Alan Jackson. Uh, it's, it's a lot of a garagey version of punk, but I mean, geez, garagey version of country, but it's done. It's well played. And I sing some duets, and Ryder sings some duets, and Ryder plays mandolin on there, and she yeah. plays keyboards on there. 
And uh, yeah, it's just like it's like a, it's like it's like a country country set you would hear in like a punk club or something. Yeah, yeah. Georgia and I sing a same sex version of Jackson. Yeah, which is nice. fabulous. It's just really really good. Yeah. I'm glad it's coming out finally because we we have, they've been sitting on it for just 2007 or something like that. Yeah, yeah it's been uh-huh. a while. As a yeah, I know. I was going to say, as a Japanese bonus track, you should do like a thrashy, punky version of like Eddie Arnold's Cattle Call or something. That one's a great one. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome, doing the yodel part, but like, you know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Nashville Pussy, make sure you check them out on the Peacemaker soundtrack, brand new record, and of course, uh, all this awesome stuff that's coming out. Really cool. 2022 yeah. is uh, going to be a good year for Nashville Pussy. You like yes. it? Crazy, man. Yes. Coming out of the gate like wildfire. I mean, good. you're... You're on the number one TV show in the world. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't really and, go wrong. You know what? It's it's only in the states right now. The 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 tsunami wave of publicity for Europe is coming in the fall, so you're going to get a second go round. All right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we had to. I'm I'm on so many like uh, so much social media now with about Peacemaker that we had to watch like the latest episode yesterday. It only came out at midnight. And by eight o'clock, I already had two fucking spoilers. And I was like, God damn it, we got to watch it now because I'm <laughs> figuring out who's dying. It's, it's really, really good, and too. It's so man. funny, man. Yeah, I don't like anything, man. We don't like anything. We like that. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. Gen- generally, we have a no capes rule in the house as far yeah, as the, television. Yeah, that, that, that song, uh, Come On, Come On, was originally on another uh, couple of things, but it's on a movie called Good Old Fashioned Sex Orgy or something we just saw recently. And from uh, 2012, and it's just, it was so bad, it was depressing. And our song's <laughs> right there in the middle of it, cranked. And like, oh, damn, man. It's a bummer, man. We promise so much more with good old fashioned sex. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you want, yeah. can you, we have that good old fashioned sex. Yeah, yeah, we can, I'll let, let our, let me use our song. We got paid and everything. And I wish never had watched it. And I was like, I wonder what that's like. You saw it on, it was available on streaming. And we're like, oh, that's awful. It was yeah. just so terrible. But we're <laughs> glad. Peacemaker, Peacemaker was great, man. Peacemaker one, it was, and, uh, it fit in there great. He's like, he's like, we're driving along, singing to him and Eagly. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's a great scene. I mean, you got really good placement. Yeah, man, yeah. he's playing. He's playing air drums along. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. it's so good. I mean, the only thing better would have been him running around his underwear singing into the vibrator, which was also that would have been rather- awesome. Yeah, yeah, I think now, he was think- singing. Wasn't he singing Choir Boys or Firehouse into the vibrator? <laughs> Yeah, I think you're singing a choir boy song, which is, yeah. I mean, that's badass. You got yeah. choir. It's so cool. It's like, mean, what other TV shows using all these awesome songs from these awesome bands? Yeah. Yeah, I've been bragging on James Gunn and that how he uses he uses music almost like an actual extra character. Like he's he's a yeah. it's a it's a yet another protagonist in the, in all of his work. Like he turns music into an actual character, yeah. which is like, I mean, it's brilliant. Like not he works the lyrics into the dialogue which is incredible and, and it's he, awesome and because the song adds to the scene too because i mean without that song i mean you don't have the scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's what's great and he's bringing out bands like wigwam and kissing dynamite he's just giving all these bands that we've all known about some exposure yeah. which i love I can take, great. yeah there's another one there's another weird tie-in i just sang um i sang the girl part on what is it please don't touch oh yeah please don't touch the motorhead song with a band called the city kids from the uk and they also have a band called tiger tails or there's members from that band tiger tails and tiger tails just had a song in peacemaker too yeah we just spoke to tiger tails yep we're we're sort of interviewing everybody on the soundtrack we've done wigwam tiger tails we've got choir boys next week we're we had bill liberty from firehouse we did the whole whole thing 
choir boy is a london man right yeah yeah uh, phil our uh, friend phil from tokyo dragons plays drums yeah yes uh, uh, uh what's his last name phil um Hey, Mart- is Martini or something like that? It's Phil uh, Martin, yeah, because he plays with uh, he plays with uh, Joe Elliott when Joe Elliott does the um plays, the, he plays in, uh, down and outs the down and outs yeah he plays with yeah. Joe Elliott in that band too yeah if you don't know uh, Tokyo Dragons you gotta check them out they're really I good. do know Tokyo Dragons for early two thousand five well tell him tell Phil hey if you talk to him man it's great <laughs> I love that guy yeah and what's funny is we're all becoming like internet friends now we're like we're talking to Wigwam and we're talking like. <laughs> Auge from from Wigwam is is a great singer. If you ever go over to uh, Norway, go watch his Queen show. It's like a two hour extravaganza where he does these Queen songs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fantastic. That's crazy, man. Well, we'll be there. Yeah, we'll yeah. Be there. Go, go go check the YouTube footage of him. He sings, and you just go, whoa. I mean, he, nobody's Freddie Mercury, oh, but really? fucking Auge is just top yeah. level. And he's been doing it since uh, like twenty years. Yeah, two thousand eight or something like that. He's been doing it for almost yeah fifteen years, mm-hmm. wow. and he's great. Yeah. And it sells out. They play arenas. God, <laughs> Wigwam <laughs> plays the the clubs, but his Queen tribute is literally playing a seventeen thousand seater next week. Yeah, we're gonna start a national Pussy tribute band. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's oh, that's the way to go. There we go. Well, look, let's, <laughs> Thank uh, let's you, get out of here. Nashvillepussy.com. Uh, get everything on the socials, too. Follow them. Everywhere. They're great on Twitter. Uh, make sure you go and follow. This was awesome. Uh, best of luck with the new stuff, and uh, maybe we'll catch you at a show at some point this year. Oh, please. Hope so. Yeah. Hope so, man. It'd be great. Thank you guys yeah. so much. Guys. Come back to yeah. Montreal. Merci. Yep. Yeah. Fuck oh. yeah. See you later. An all-new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch Lafon and at Jeremy White MTL.